Hello and welcome to JudgeCast. I'm one of your hosts, Brian Prilliman, and we are... Wait, I, I overthought myself too much. I might have to start over again. This is episode... Do I do this as episode 291? I'm one of yes. your hosts? Yes, okay, yeah. As soon as I started saying it, I was like, this is wrong. <laughs> Hello and welcome to JudgeCast. This is episode 291. I'm one of your hosts, Brian Prilliman, and I'm joined this evening, afternoon, morning drive to work by the one and only Charles Feather. Hello, hello. Hello. And in this episode, episode 291, we have a very special guest with us. We are presenting uh, Vona Ruste. Uh, hello, everyone. Hi, Vona. Uh, hi, Brian. Hi, Charles. Hi. Uh, super glad to be here. Yeah. Uh, Vona is going to be joining us as we talk about uh, MagicCon stuff, uh, MagicCon Philly, which was the big event uh, seven, eight days ago that people are still recovering from. It's true. Yep. So before we get started, Vona, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, I'd be happy to. Yeah. Um, uh, so like uh, Brian was saying, I'm Vona Reste. Uh, I'm a level two magic judge uh, from the center of New Jersey. Uh, which is which, nice because which that exit MagicCon Philly got to, you know, it's funny that you ask that because I don't live anywhere near the New Jersey Turnpike, and people ask me what exit I'm from, and I get to tell them nothing, and that feels so good to me as a New Jersey <laughs> resident. See, I went for smug and I got blown out. Well, Vona lives in the void that is New Jersey. It's it's, it's central true. New Jersey doesn't really exist, but we we say that it does to to um no it makes to, me feel to better. settle to settle debates mostly <laughs> fair enough i've i've only been to new jersey once and it was not by choice that sounds about right i i moved up to pennsylvania and was like hey what's that big bridge over there and then Ooh. yep there was a point where i was like oh i made a terrible mistake <laughs> didn't want to do that nope <laughs> nope 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 and then they charged me to go back into pennsylvania uh-huh. <laughs> yes new jersey Free to enter, but we charge you to leave. Yeah, it's like Maryland. <laughs> All right. So, um, how long have you been? How long have you been a level two, or just a judge uh, in general? I have been a magic judge since 2017, and I have been a level two magic judge since 2018. Certified by the one, the only Charles Featherer himself. Hey, hey. And now, now, now you get it. Going on. <laughs> Gotcha. I'm seeing seeing a pattern. <laughs> so you started judging in 2017. Yes, that is correct. I man, I could have sworn that you had that we had worked an event prior to that, but I guess the pandemic has altered all perceptions of time. Uh, wait, hold on. Hmm. Time still exists for you. That's I weird. mean, in like a tiny, wimey, wibbly, wobbly state. Yes. Oh, I see. Like a Jeremy Baramy kind of way. Yeah. So, we're going to be talking about... Oh, actually, what's your favorite card? My favorite card? Mm -hmm. Yes. Card. Uh, it feels like a cop-out answer to not say Vona Butcher of Magan. Um, but actually, I think if I had to pick a favorite Magic the Gathering card, I really love Forced Fruition. Oh no! I have to go look. Make him, make him draw. Oh, we got a reader. Uh, I, I will help you out. Four blue, blue enchantment. 
whenever an opponent casts a spell, they draw seven cards. They don't choose to draw seven cards. They do it. I think I need to add that to my mill deck. You're going to like this card. You're going <laughs> to like it whether you like it or not. You will learn more than you ever wanted to. That's an amazing card. Yes. All right. So uh, we're going <laughs> to... We're going to be talking about Magicon Philly, and uh, since I was not there, I will be asking uh, both Charles and Vona about their experiences. So uh, I think we should probably start with their guest first. Absolutely. What do you think, Charles? Absolutely. All right. Vona, can you just tell us what all was, uh, what your weekend was like? Absolutely. Um, Magicon Philly. What a weekend. A Magicon Philly, I was one of the floor judges assigned to the uh, Secret Lair Championships, uh, which was a qualifier series of tournaments that took place throughout the weekend with some very fancy Secret Lair promos uh, as prizes, exclusive ones like Ragavans and Brainstorms that people have been oh so giddy about online. So I I actually do have a question about that, because as I understand it, some of the prize, like the brainstorm was unique, wasn't it? Correct. The brainstorm, there is one of them for each of the magic cons that will take place during this year. That has a, there's only four of them. Yeah. So how do you, okay, so here's a question for you. How do you keep that, like, how do you keep positive control over that card? Like, what What are the security measures in place for that? Uh, If I'm honest with you, I didn't see the card once, and I think that says (laughs) a lot about the security of it. All right, fair. I did not get to lay physical eyes on this brainstorm. Um, I was not on the uh, Secret Lair Championships on Sunday, which is when the top eight playoffs, uh, a top 32 playoffs, and the... Uh, championship for it were i was on on demand events that day okay so how did the secret layer championships how were they set up across the so, weekend on friday and on saturday there were two flights of pioneer qualifiers where you played five rounds or so of pioneer or more if we had the player count for it and then the top eight of those events would be qualified for the Sunday Top 32 uh, event. The prize structure was still weighted very nicely towards the players who did not necessarily make Top 8, but performed well, uh, because these events were capped out to 200 players. So it was the sort of flagship event that wasn't the Pro Tour, is how I would think of it. Okay. Was this was this run at regular or was it run at comp? This was because... not run at regular. This was run at competitive rules enforcement level. We did not use event link. We had paper match <laughs> slips and paper pairings. Wow, <laughs> not a thing you get to say very much these days. No, no, I, I love it. It's like this event was so important. We refused to use event link for it. Exactly at MagicCon. <laughs> So, so lesson to be taken from this is that when prize support is extensive or, or highly valuable, is you run your event at competitive. Mm-hmm. There we go. Right. Yes. Uh, now, there was some events vintage for un, uh, like uncut sheet events that had a high entry fee too, but those were run at regular, 
correct? That is correct. I was assisting with that. Those events also took place in the area that I was assigned to. The event hall was truly massive. To say that just one event could be happening in any spot, I think is, it's a wild misunderstanding of the logistics of that space and how much magic was packed into that room and the talent of people arranging chairs right, to make so sure me, that all that magic could fit. This question. Um so looking looking at the schedule of of events, there were times in the day where there were 25, 26, 27 events running simultaneously. Sure. Can you can you describe uh or if you don't know Charles maybe you can you can come in how they separated all of those events, like how many scorekeepers were there? Well, well, we'll get to scorekeepers in a minute. But the, the one thing I do want to say is I want to highlight what Vona said a minute ago. The room was massive. Okay. However is, big you're thinking, you need it, to think bigger. It was bigger. It was bigger play space than Vegas. In Vegas, some people came in Friday morning and we were talking a little bit, and they were like, "This doesn't look as bi- as big as Vegas." That's because Vegas ran lengthwise down a room. Mm-hmm. Uh, this filled a room in a square. If you cut Vegas in half um, and you stacked it on top of each other, this was still bigger. I believe we had twice the play space that we had in Vegas. Oh, wow. It, it was, so So there was no point in time where even when we were running multiple events within it, within a color-coded area... Um, where I felt crowded. I don't know. How about you, Vona? Was was that your uh, sense no, as well? No, certainly not. Um, to kind of loop back on into Brian's question about how do they break up an event of this size into 25, 30 plus events is, uh, well, Magic has this really wonderful thing called the color pie for us. And uh, we <laughs> borrowed from that and had five, five broken up uh, sections of colored tables and every table section of colors had its own stage and its own set of scorekeepers. So each stage had two to three scorekeepers Okay, that were only dealing with events in their colored section. And were the events within a section thematic in some way? Like like, uh, black is all sealed uh sealed events and green is all uh some sort of wacky constructed event is that the setup um not, not quite to not quite to that extent um yeah but you would find uh, certain events always in the same colors so like all of the secret layer championship qualifiers were run in the green section as right. an example or all on demand events would take place in the white section Okay. The uh, Gavin Verhey event uh, ran in the in the red section both days, and uh, my section, blue section, we were running the PTQs. So I will want to come back to that because I heard some interesting things about the the Gavin the quote unquote Gavin Verhey event. But um, Savannah, in in the notes here, uh, it also says that you worked on a beta of Rochester draft. Uh, yes, that was back at, uh, Magic 30. Oh, okay. Uh, Ma- MagicCon Philly, uh, sadly, or I guess not sadly, because to say sadly implies that, you know, oh, we can just run one of these whenever we feel like it. <laughs> I don't I don't know how many of you just have, uh, 24 sealed packs of beta sitting around. Alright. Uh, I don't. <laughs> Okay. Yes, no, that was uh, that was back at Magic 30. So what is, uh, for the listeners who might not be familiar, what is a Rochester draft? 
Um, so in a in a standard draft, you as as listeners may you know be familiar, you look at the cards in a pack, uh, and you pick one of them and pass them to the person next to you. Uh, in a Rochester draft, what happens is one booster pack is opened, and all of the cards in that booster pack are laid face up on the table for all of the drafters to see, and then the drafters will take turns going around the table making picks from that pack and so everybody gets to see every card that everyone takes and do you do like one through eight eight through one like fantasy football draft okay all right yes all right so the eighth person does get to a point where they get to make two picks uh for for folks who uh, didn't get a chance to get out to either uh, Magic 30 or Magic Con Philly. One of the draws of the events in the physical space was they had these planeswalker layers set up that it was like you could step into a plane. And the Rochester draft, we decided to host it in one of these planeswalker layers. Um, and players really loved getting to do this Rochester draft in what looked like a Kaladesh inventor's laboratory that's cool okay before we move on and talk about uh, some of the stuff charles did is there anything else that you wanted to, to bring up specifically um i can't think of anything that comes to mind off the top of my head okay um uh, all right mr Featherer. what about you what you got i was back on my bs again um <laughs> i i don't know how else to say it um so that's for beyond uh, silly right right so this is uh, that's um, what that I means was, yeah, I was brought on as a block lead for Friday and Saturday, and then a floor judge on Sunday. Um, there were a lot of people that were selected for block lead positions for Friday, Saturday, uh, that ended up um, downshifting a little bit on Sunday, and then some main- maintained that third day. Um, so as a block lead, I was ostentatiously placed in charge of uh, three other judges, and really my job was to make sure that they were getting breaks, um, to make sure that they were being taken care of, to see if there's anything that they needed um, to help cover for them and uh, and and to look out for them through the course of the two days that I was doing that. There were a lot of block leads at, at this event. For every four or five judges, I think there was probably one block lead, something like that. Maybe a little less, maybe a little more, dependent on the area. How, do, how does a block lead differ from a team lead? Well, a team lead's in charge of the block leads. Okay. Um, And for each color, like we've talked about, there were five colors. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was assigned to blue. And in that area, Ollie Bird was my was my team lead. um, And he was in charge of um, maybe eight block leads, uh, including myself. Uh, And block leads would have the shift that they came in on. And they were in charge of the three judges or two judges under them that they came in with. So uh, that was different for me. It was a new role. And it's, it is a little different than what we're used to, where you generally have like a team lead and you've got six or, or eight or 10 or whatever number of judges under you. Um, in this case, it was, it was split out a little bit smaller. Um, one of the reasons for that was to give people more time. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, but it was, a, it was a very unique event from that perspective. And then, of course, um, also as uh, another role that I had was uh, I was given um, several events to run. Uh, and uh, <laughs> me being me, I was given Infinity. And I ran, I was only supposed to run two different drafts. Um, and Infinity takes a little bit of a, of a time to run. So I was given one on Friday and one on Saturday. 
and then at the end of the day Saturday I was asked if I wanted to run the one the run on one run the one yeah run the one on Sunday and I accepted so I ended up dressing up as Dr. Judge and doing Infinity for three days in a row and I don't think I had much of a voice left on Monday oh Charles you like gun sets I do I do <laughs> I do I do um Unfinity is really weird because you're asked to please run your event in this set amount of time and you just get to look at them and say no and they say okay why and it's because of the mechanics and the unsets everything runs to time and then 20 minutes after you're you're just finishing a round so they always run a little long and it takes you'll have players that are drafting for the very 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 first time so they're sitting there and it's a lot of text and they're sitting there yeah that's a decision they're reading all their cards and they're like, I have no idea what this does. I'm, I'm, I just don't know. Um, I had I had one table that uh, was about a pack and a half behind the other tables that were drafting at one point. So, um, you know, we get through it together. And once once everybody's done and we we're all on the same page, uh, we, we do have a good time. But they take uh, it should take four hours to run a draft from beginning to end, maybe a little less. These take four and a half to five sometimes six and did you do this well, that's kind of one of the uh the Not wonderful six, things they take long about about these magic cons is that you have players of all different levels of involvement and engagement coming together in these truly they're really closer to conventions than anything we've ever seen in a traditional magic event structure oh absolutely absolutely they're 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 so unique compared to what we were used to and I hear players that sit there and say, oh, I wish we had GPs. And I understand that. I get it. Um, but mm-hmm. I I honestly feel like this is almost better, it, at least of... in, in, in some respects, because we get so many players that are more willing to come out to something that's uh, judged it regular for the most part. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of, you know, like the, the only real player thought that I had heard that really was hearkening back to, I wish this was a GP and not whatever is happening right now, is the badge attendance entry. Yeah. That's it, that's like the only thing. Yeah, and, and I don't know how much to, I, we can or, or should talk about that because that's that's something that's still evolving, right? I mean, it, oh, was, yeah. it was completely different this time than it was, well, not completely different, but, but very different. It's a little different. Um, the amounts were different. What what you could do was different. Um, I, mm-hmm. I think it will continue to evolve. I think oh, even certainly. even the next badge setup may be may may have different. I, I think Minneapolis it. is going to be very different from Philly. Yeah. How so? Yeah. Um, Command Fest and content creators and other parts of it. Not Command Fest. Command Zone. I'm sorry. Well, I can't mix brands. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, but. But I think that that will have something to do with. What do you think, Fona? Uh, I I think that there's still a lot that we are going to see in this kind of evolving event field as well. I think that this is the second time that we've had an event like this, and that MagicCon Philly was so wildly different and so iterated upon from Magic Thirty in Vegas. I I'm very excited to continue to see these events iterate and improve and to see what kinds of incredible magic experiences people get to have. Hmm. Yeah, I'm okay. going to agree with that. So um, you were talking about 
some of and this is this is a question that's that's tagged for a little bit later so but you talked about a lot of the other stuff what non-event stuff was there at this event <laughs> uh charles you want to go first i'm gonna i'm gonna leave art to you <sighs> no matter how we do it i'm gonna leave art to you uh, <sighs> panels did you attend a panel vona i absolutely did i got to attend one panel okay um, Granted, it was see? the most important... Pa- That's not true. It was one of the most important panels on the schedule for me. There were two panels that I really wanted to attend uh, at MagicCon Philly. I did only get to see one of them, sadly. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to attend the uh, panel, uh, the Vorthos cast, uh, their panel on the Road to March of the Machine, which was um, another Magic the Gathering, uh, another Magic podcast um, the Vorthos cast, they do, like, lore. Uh, they were talking about what has been happening in Magic Story leading up to March of the Machine. Where are all of the Planeswalkers that we know? What have they been doing? How did we come to the point in the story that we're at right now? And are they all staring really at... Cool. Uh, are they all staring, staying at the uh, same Airbnb? You know, whether or not they, they went out dancing last night? As, as you do. Exactly. All right. So did they give you time off to do a panel or did you schedule your lunch to coincide or how did that work? Uh, I was able to arrange my break such that I was able to attend the panel. And generally speaking, um, team structure and event structure was really flexible in how many judges we needed in one place at a time and... That was kind of one of the big beauties of the event is how much time we as judges were given to go and experience the rest of the event on our breaks. Um, The break schedule is another one of the really unique things about the Magic Con because I don't think that most judges who, you know, were used to working 10, 11, 12 hour shifts, um, but it's not so common that our total break time winds up being two and a half hours of that time so you got like what two two one hour breaks and then an extra half hour break or uh one one and a half hour break and two half hour breaks and and that was a little flexible depending on the area depending on what was going on um that was the party line was that you needed to offer that um some people wanted to take their two half hour breaks as a one hour break and go see a panel and for the most part, everybody was very flexible with working with other judges to make sure that they could do what they wanted to do. Um, at least mm-hmm. that, that was that was my my experience it's very nice in my area. Having yeah. a staff of the size that we did for something like that, because having that many bodies gives you that flexibility. Yeah. And you almost need an hour and a half for lunch. It depends on how busy Reading Terminal Market was at the given time that you decided to go over there for to get a, your uh, your meal break. But um, sometimes you needed a little a little extra time, and that was very nice to have. I, I heard that it was it was quite a hike to to get from yes. one end to the other. Uh, to get to anywhere uh, from somewhere else in the hall uh, was a bit of a journey. Uh, I see, in addition to panels, uh, there is list for cosplay artists and dinosaurs. So what's, what's up with that? Other than cosplaying um, as a doctor. Yeah, so, so <laughs> there's a cosplay contest that happens at the cons. 
Um, and there are multiple levels for the cosplay contest. There's a novice, a journeyman, and I'm going to guess it's expert level. People are invited to attend it's, or they sign up or they do something to, to get into it. And then they get dressed up in their cosplay as Elish Norn or their favorite planeswalker. I got to meet the uh, the person behind uh, the Elish Norn costume that everybody's seen, Dark Pact Cosplay. And I had a brilliant two-minute conversation with them. I just, it, the cosplayers really amaze me. The, the creativity that goes into what they do, um, the thought behind it. There were some really amazing ones this time. And, and everybody it seems to, to, to really level up their game, as it were. Uh, I, I, in particular, really enjoyed getting to see cosplayers here because I don't know if, I don't know if you know this about me, but I am a big fan of Phyrexia. Uh, I believe um, that all will be one and that the multiverse could use a nice little coat of oil on it. <laughs> I just want to get some. So I, I was. Some, I just want to get absolutely... some Dawn and a scrub pad and just start cleaning that up. <laughs> Get that out of here. Um, okay. <laughs> so uh, you got to hang out with, uh, you got to meet uh, cosplayers, take some pictures with them, attend some panels. Uh, uh, you there got was to an sit on Watley. What's that? That's, oh yeah, riding dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah, you got you got to sit on Watley. They they had a, a full size. You didn't get to sit on Watley. You got to sit on her dinosaur. Oh, on her dinosaur. Okay. Okay. Fair. I, I'm not good at, I'm not a good Vorthos. Um. But yeah, the dinosaurs were really cool. Did you do that, Bona? I absolutely got to ride on the dinosaur. Excellent. Uh, there were all sorts of these cool statues that um, were set up and part of the Planeswalker lair things. They had these huge set pieces and statues from all across the multiverse, one of which included a statue of Watley with one of her dinosaurs. And there were stairs behind that statue and a saddle on that dinosaur. And you better believe that you could sit on that dinosaur. You even had a nice little handlebar on the saddle. Well, yeah, that's just standard on saddles. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, so. And. Yes. The last thing that was noted on uh, other stuff to do, which I would be remiss if we did not talk about. Oh, we have to talk about this. I would be remiss if we did not talk about the art at this show. Because, oh my goodness it's one thing and we did have many magic artists who came from all over uh including some really big names in magic art uh one of the few public appearances of john avon that we've seen in years um but much cooler than getting to you know have some cards signed by your favorite magic artist uh Mike Lineman, uh, Vorthos Mike, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, uh, helped set up an art gallery of original magic art at the convention. And so there was this little side building that was filled with all sorts of pieces of original magic art from uh, Mike's private collection and the private collections of several people who are in the magic art uh, world, artists who still have their own pieces, or collectors who have purchased pieces. And a lot of it was art highlighting 
Phyrexia and the war with Phyrexia. So it sounds like, listening to this, so even though the shifts were 10 to 11 hours, which is kind of a long day, combined with, but when the two and a half hours worth of breaks factor in, as well as being able to attend panels, hanging out with cosplayers, being able to see art shows, and riding dinos, I'm getting from from what you you folks are, are saying is that you you did get to actually feel like you were attending the con a little bit instead of just working it. Is that fair? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Huh. All right. Uh, both of y'all worked Vegas, correct? Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, so, and you mentioned a few things, but how did your experience this time differ from last time in terms of, um, uh, in terms of just differences that you noticed if there was a, a focus a shift or a tonal shift or a procedural shift uh well the i'm gonna i'm gonna <laughs> give the the short sweet uh blunt version first and then then a bit more nuanced uh friday uh the difference between me is that friday at magic con philly and friday at magic 30 in vegas uh friday and magic con philly did not feel like i needed a fire extinguisher constantly okay uh and uh, Magic 30 in Vegas, um, there was just a lot of um, logistical hoops that came up from doing an event like that for the first time and kind of not working as the only entity in the building who, mm-hmm. like, is working with players, uh, you know, because pastimes, the, the company that, like, the TO that ran the, the tournaments is not the entity that was running the whole show, yeah, And so learning how to navigate some of those logistical difficulties that can come from you're getting your attendance list from a company that maybe isn't used to working with magic tournaments or tournaments at all. And so the way that we might get that information wasn't necessarily in a usable format for us at Vegas. And so learning to be prepared for that was one of the biggest things that changed to Magic Con Philly. Preparedness, preparedness, preparedness. Took yeah. a page right out of the Boy Scout handbook. <laughs> they, they, they changed a few things, though, right? Um, I don't know what the cutoff was for, for Vegas, but everywhere that was advertised... Smaller. Yeah, everywhere that was advertised, um, it was a two-hour cutoff. Uh, if you weren't registered two hours before the event, you weren't in the event. Um, and now, so that's admittedly... Interesting. Mistakes and accidents happen, and and you work within that. But I think that two hour window. Um, I don't know if it was necessary to be that long, but they did it for this. And that two hour window gave them time to make sure that the information was getting from the registration and into the event, imported into events correctly. Um, so I when think, yeah, yeah, I'd been I'd uh, talked to Meg and uh, a little bit and she said that one one of the points of pride they had was that no event started more than 10 minutes late the entire weekend and i a, cannot i cannot uh, claim otherwise uh, and a two hour well a two a two hour uh registration window closure that that that'll do it so it sure will <laughs> um i think that I think that it is definitely the two hours um, for event registration cutoff is probably a bit of an overcorrection from where we were in Vegas. But I think that that is, as Charles and I have kind of talked about throughout the episode, uh, 
that's part of the process of iteration. You know, it is not a goal, but a process. The process of creating the perfect Phyrexia uh, magic con. My bad. <laughs> I could see that coming. Just, just, just over the hill. I could see the headlights coming. I knew that we had Phyrexia <laughs> coming. Um, yeah, no, uh, they have definitely gotten better at this. Uh, and and we talk about. We talk about the TO, right? And we, we mentioned pastimes and we mentioned pastimes. There are three entities behind these these events. Uh, there's there's pastimes, which is the face of the tournament. Um, but there's also Reed Pop, who is kind of, a, I guess, kind of like a parent organizer um, and taking registrations. And then Wizards of the Coast is um, very much involved in these events. You know, it, you could go to a dozen Grand Prix and never note that there was a Wizards of the Coast employee there anywhere, right? Um, mm-hmm. This weekend, past weekend, I, I, I got selfies with Trick Jarrett and with Gavin Verhey. Um, I spoke with Mark Rosewater. Um, I saw others. Uh, Aaron, uh, Aaron Forsyth was there, right? And I'm trying to think of who else but uh, that I knew. But, uh, I got to talk with Mike Turian. There you go. Uh, anybody else that you saw? Um, I got to talk with uh, Mike. I got to talk with Mark also. Um, I didn't get to uh, speak with Mary Catherine, but I know that Mary Catherine, the mother of language from the Phyrexian language team, was there. Uh, trust me, I would have loved to talk to her. <laughs> but that's uh, but that's it, right? Because we've we're seeing these 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 people that are are, are a cross between personality and 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 company employee. We're seeing them at these events, and they have a very active, invested interest in seeing how that they're working out and taking feedback and passing the feedback along and giving feedback of their own. Um, it's it's really, I want to say that it's refreshing to, to see them actively engaged in this process. It is. No, it's nice. It's really wonderful to see the people who are making the game that that they're interested and invested in the community that exists around it, that they're participating in it and meeting with people. And I think that's really wonderful. So, All right. That's, yeah. So what we, we've talked a, a, a little bit about um, the events being on time. What was the, what was the average size of events or, or what was the, the spread on them? So the pro tour upstairs was what two hundred something odd players. Was it that um, that small? Uh, my understanding is yes, and I think that there's room for growth there. But I I don't know enough of the specifics about we what had, the pro tour was. We had like four hundred player PTQs, didn't we? Yes, we had we had up to four hundred and nine player PTQs. Um, the reason that you know that that's that's reasonable <laughs> to state is because at four ten you go to ten rounds mm-hmm. and they were sealed. Um, And nobody wants to do 10 round sealed. You don't know that nobody wants to do that. Okay. Nobody wants to do it when they're halfway into it. Willingly. (laughs) 10 10 rounds of sealed sounds great (laughs) until hour five. Uh, uh, Both both of the large PTQs uh, went to late into the evening. Um, And players were given a chance to either come back the next day to finish because uh, they there were four seats, so they really only had to draft and play one round. Um, they were awarding four invitations per event. 
Um, I, I think that in both cases, the players decided to stay that evening and finish things up. So, so there were a couple of late nights there for some scorekeepers, judges, and staff. Um, kind of on the other end, uh, looping back even to an earlier event that we had brought up, um, Brian, you'd mentioned earlier from the event schedule, uh, vintage for an uncut sheet. Mm-hmm. Um, event like that, uh, probably a bit harder to attract an audience of, you know, several hundred because, uh, I don't know about you, I don't have power just lying around to build a vintage deck with. How many, did, did you have a lot of people in that? Uh, how many people? I'll tell you, we had seven participants on our Friday evening vintage for an uncut sheet. And That's how did you, did someone just grab a standard deck and jump in? Um, I don't actually i believe that we ran it um with a buy is is what i believe we did um i was dismissed for the evening around that time when we started (laughs) getting that really going so it's it's sort of like we're about to do some shady stuff so you go ahead and take the rest of the night off hey listen if someone said we're gonna go do something shady you go disappear i don't have to be told twice to disappear I, I might lurk around the corner and kind of watch and see what's going to going to Oh wait, actually, down. yeah, no, hold on. I, I definitely I mean, want to I mean, see what's really. going down. <laughs> but um, I, I, I lied. That, I want to see the that's shady That's fascinating things. to me because the the this particular part of the world, Philadelphia, um, uh, New York, um, oh, huge old school community, Boston, here. huge old school. So I just wonder if that was. I wonder why they didn't have more, but that's interesting. Um, anyway, I think I think I could probably hazard a guess between it being the last scheduled event starting of the day. Oh, okay. And it being on the Friday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it Friday, had a pretty steep entry fee, didn't it? Uh, yes, it did have kind of a steep entry fee because the prize prize payout, you know, being an uncut sheet. Yeah. Um. Yeah. When you spend all your money on power, you don't got a lot of money for entry fees. <laughs> but, like, events events varied pretty heavily in size. Uh, a lot of the more popular events uh, were not really the events that were being run competitively or even quasi-competitively. Some okay. of the most popular events of the weekend were weird, casual fun nonsense like, events. Like what what sort of fun nonsense was was drawing people? Uh Emperor Commander. Yeah. No. No, yeah. That's not what you say when no. someone says Emperor no, Commander. No, I want to hear that because so <laughs> I'm doing uh, uh uh I'm judge manager for Command Fest Orlando and I'm talk trying to talk the TO into oh. Emperor Commander as oh, ODEs because yeah, I was I was talking. We, we actually had like a pretty decent number of teams. Like, decent here, meaning like I think we had something of almost like ten matches, maybe going. That's nice. That is nice. Ten emperor matches, which you know is a three v three. Mm-hmm. And we also so had that's another a pretty good number of players for a format that. Not a lot of people really know a ton about. Emperor, way to go. All right. All right. So uh, what other events were surprisingly popular or drew the eye? Uh, um, well, uh, we, can oh, do the, we can do the one thing, but I, I do want to mention that there was a really neat event that I was a part of on Friday and Saturday mornings in, in my area. 
they had something called the um, uh, Pioneer Sealed event. Pioneer Sealed, and 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 I had no idea what I was getting into, and I agreed to just you know help distribute product. They come rolling out, and they've got these boxes, and they're as long as as single row deck boxes, but they're like a, a little bit larger dimensionally. And we started distributing them to players, and I'm like, these are heavy. What the heck is in there? The players would sit there and open up the boxes. Inside of them were one pack from each Pioneer Legacy, Pioneer Legal Set. What? Forty three packs of cards, right? Uh, Forty. That, that's too much to build a sealed pool from. My head is spinning. Right. And and they sit there and they open up the packs and they have to build not a forty card deck but a sixty card deck and they have ninety minutes to build. And I'm that's sitting so there cool. and I'm watching this process and I'm like. I, I I will I will turn in my money now. I will turn in I will turn in my badge and my shirt and I just want to play this. It was just it was mind boggling so to cool. me. It is. It is. Um, I didn't even know about that. That's <laughs> that just tells you like how many things were going on this weekend. I didn't even know about that. Right. And then of course there's uh the uh the Gavin Verhey special. Oh that is wasn't even the other thing I was thinking about. Oh, really? I was thinking about Grand Melee. They did do a Grand Melee. I don't know how many players they had for it. Uh, I know at Magic 30, we had over 230 players in one Grand Melee game. Woof. That's, um, that's And I that's think wild. that Magic Con Philly had relatively similar numbers. Um, Grand Melee wound up being a lot more popular than I thought it had any right to be. I, I think it's got to be one of these things where you just are never, ever going to be exposed to it anywhere else. Oh, certainly. How many other times are you going to play Magic against 230 other people at once? Right. Yeah, I was... I saw judges being conscripted to make turn markers. Hmm. Now, there was an after party? There was. Okay. Um, there was at Vegas and at Philly. Uh, I did not get to attend the Magic Con uh, Philly after party, unfortunately. Uh, I had to go home because I had uh, my girlfriend with me and I had a, uh, a player who was, you know, traveling from very far away uh, and was staying with me that weekend. And so I didn't want to, you know, just bring even more people. We were tired. And also the joys of being an hour from the event is I just got to go home. I was so tired. <laughs> The uh, the after party was held at some kind of a ping pong um, establishment. Uh, pinball. pinball, pinball place, pinball. I, I think I saw spin. Ping, I think I saw ping pong tables too. I I could be. Uh, it was like a big arcade. I could be mistake, mistaken. Um, I did not go either. Um, but it's just a nice. It's a nice twist to. Um, you know, judge after parties are great. Period. You know, you get to sit down, you get to relax, you get to decompress, you get to share stories from the weekend, eat some good food, and 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 play games mm -hmm. with people. Um, but to hold uh, it I, at a place that provides games is is kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. I did attend the Vegas after party, uh, which was an incredible and wonderful experience. Getting to socialize with all of the judges that I worked with that weekend, getting to see people who you don't even realize are on staff because. The event is that big. There are judges that you just don't cross paths with, and you see them at the after party, and you go, "Oh my goodness, you're here too!" And yeah. it's it's a really wonderful social opportunity, getting to talk about all of the crazy, wonderful things that happened that weekend. Yeah, that when I bailed on to bailed on to, I uh, I uh, made the mistake of booking a red eye flight coming home. Um, 
honestly, I almost wish that I hadn't wound up doing that, because uh, that, that flight home was a bit rough for me. Okay, so if you do one of these big events that are three days three days long, you would recommend not taking the red eye? I would, I would recommend, look, you know, they talk about the whole see the world thing, although they really don't do that as much anymore, but judging is an opportunity to um, have some fun. So, you know, if you can, when you're done, go to the party, stay an extra day in the city, see some sights, um, go do get gelato, something. whatever, do, whatever, do like, whatever your do thing like is, one cool thing. go do it. Um, okay. Uh, so is there anything else about the event specifically that you get, uh, that you folks want to call out? Um, walking mm-hmm. for, for you know, if you're a judge who might be thinking, hey, I've never worked a big event before, but I listen to the dulcet tones of this Vona individual, and I think, I could probably do something like that. I could probably judge that. Um, however much walking you think you will need to do, you will probably need to do a lot more than that. These event halls are big. Bigger than any GP hall I've ever been in, and they're really spaced out. So, uh, Billy Willie was telling me that for the Pro Tour, they had to go and obtain sleeves because there was no vendor in the Pro Tour area. Correct. So that means if a player had to change sleeves because of a problem, it was an eight-minute walk to the nearest vendor. Uh, one way, yes. Yes, one way. And so there was no possible way. So they had to go get sleeves and have, like, a little stock of sleeves. Yes, uh, the logistics of running events in spaces that big is one of those things where you have to think about bringing insoles for your shoes, uh, making sure that all of the stuff is where we need it to be, and having access to things like the sleeves was, you know, th that was a really good move because those vendors were far away. It was not yeah. quick to navigate and learning the layout of the whole venue is its own challenge at first even so if you get accepted spend like the four to six weeks uh going to the gym getting on the treadmill taking <laughs> taking your dog on a super long walk each night uh, don't don't bring new shoes uh bring shoes that are comfortable to uh to work in uh and convention center floors are hard anything else I think I just, I want to hit on, you know, for people who are, are new to the program that are listening to the show, um, the best way to get staffed at one of these events. And and I don't want to take 20 minutes and, and detail everything. I just, a brief sidebar. Um, number one is, is start talking to the, the L2s and to the leadership in your area or, or near you. Um, get to know them and and get on good terms with them as much as possible work events with them if you can smaller rcqs stuff like that start to build up a small resume and then when you apply make sure you reference those people and they know that you're referencing them yes um, it's it's very important to have some kind of and i'm going to use the term and i think it's just a a good visual it's it's good to have some kind of judge pedigree um and put yourself out there because all of the both of these events, Fona. I don't know how many L ones you worked with. Um, at both events, I probably worked with dozens of L ones. 
oh, same. I worked with judges that I'd never seen before. Right, right. And people that are saying, oh, this is my first big event, you know, wide-eyed and, and, and looking around the hall, like, what do I have to do next? Um, yeah. Someone told me that this was their first big event, and I was just like, buddy, yeah. wow. Yeah, yeah. And there's an increase of emphasis even at these events of mentoring, which I, I do appreciate that as well. But you got to be able to get I was going to say, how, how do you feel about that? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm a... Look, I can't not dig at my mentor for this. I I get it. Um, But but really, it's just absolutely amazing um, how many first-time judges are are on these events. You can do this. If if it's something that you're thinking about, if it's something that you're interested in doing, you can do this. Most of the events are being run at regular, so know the jar. um, Start studying up a little bit on competitive things. And and get some kind of a pedigree and put your name out there. Apply. If you're interested in going to Minneapolis, the great thing about Pastimes events right now, they're helping you with either your travel or your or your stay um, in one way or mm-hmm. another. They're offsetting your costs some. Uh, for this event, it was... Well, uh, they kind of have to, yeah, right? Yep, yeah, but... They're needing so many judges that they can't get enough without offering some sort of travel sponsorship. Mm, yep. Yeah. Probably, I, I don't know right? the level of business detail the, and, and the decisions that go into it, but but no, no, no. For, I'm I'm saying like to get the applications that right. you need in order to staff an event like this, like application volume. Yeah, right. you need to you need to dangle some serious carrots in order to incentivize people to fly, you know, eight hundred miles uh, to walk eleven miles a day. Right. I worked with a lot of UK and European judges. Yeah. Sure, and, and and of course the Brazilian and and uh, South American contingent were were uh, oh I, I out, love, out in force as as love, usual. I love those folks. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but the bottom line is is um you can do it, and if you if you want to do it, take a look at it. Um, talk to other judges who might be traveling. Uh, room with them if you need to save some pennies there. Um, be conservative with your food choices through the course of the event. Um, and you can come away with a, a nice uh, a little bit of change in your pocket and uh, a real-world large event experience. And you take that back to your home events. That's amazing. I think, it's important, I think it's important to note, too, that like a lot of judges, uh, especially newer judges that I talk to, feel very intimidated a lot of times by the idea of working these very large events, thinking, oh, well, what if I, what if I mess like a ruling up? And the reality of the situation is that there are so many other judges that you are working with that are also there in these situations that there's always someone there who you can just kind of tag real quick to check in with something or to just have them offer you a bit of guidance if you're not really sure about things. And that's really wonderful to me, how many judges there are and how easy it is to just connect with other people. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, anyway, that's, you know, my soapbox. My that's moment. my two cents. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Anything else? Interestingly enough, I think it's worth bringing up, we did have a conference after the event. Um, the conference was held at a venue off-site uh, at a local game store, Top Deck Games. Um, we had Ooh. over over 100, yeah, represent, right? Uh, we had over 100 judges there. I don't know of the, of the full count. Um, that would be a question for EDB, um, but it was uh, billed as a, a tournament skills conference, 
and they had some uh, interesting and unique presentations. Uh, one of the best ones, I think, was um, by Jeff Foster. He did something on uh, how judges can work with broadcast and how broadcast works with judges, um, which is something I, I can't think I've ever seen at a, at a conference before. And I think I, I, mm-hmm. I took some interesting things away from that. Uh, yeah, I did see Jeff uh, post something on Facebook, uh, a suggestion for those of, uh, of you that might be listening. Uh, if you're going to sleep during a presenter's <laughs> presentation, don't go. Um, and never do it. To, to sleep or to the presentation? Uh, to pick one and do that. Either either be go to the presentation and listen or stay home and sleep. But don't mm. go and sleep. And then be like, hey, foil me up, bro, at the end. <laughs> it's, it's, it's... I did see that. It's greedy and it's disrespectful. It is. So just, just, if you're gonna, if you're tired and you got the little sleepies, stay home. And if you are sleeping, you are not learning. So, especially with conferences with, that can only handle a certain number of people, you took that spot from someone else. And mm-hmm. you're being disrespectful to... Uh, uh, the presenter. So, I have thoughts. Yes, <laughs> and and I can't and I can't fully articulate them and keep our clean rating on iTunes. Aww. So, yep. And I was so good this episode. Yeah, you were. We were very happy. <laughs> so, so do we have anything else? Was that was that everything now? Well, if that is the case, um, that's our episode. Join us next time when we talk about large event customer service. At least that's the plan right now. And until then, you can send us an email at judgecast at gmail.com or like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at JudgeCast. Until then, I'm Charles Feather and I keep it fair. Uh, I'm Vona Ruste and I keep things unreal. I'm Brian Perlman and I keep things PG. Can I can I can I plug my Twitter? Oh yeah, go for it. I don't post anything important, but I I've never got to be on a podcast and plug my Twitter, so I'm at bonafide bonafide on Twitter. <laughs> okay, I love it, love it, very good. All right, that's that's probably gonna be after the outro bumper. Yes, but that's I'll fine. stick it at the end. <laughs>